save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Master Force Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Master Force tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no heart, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. It's me. Hello, Lindsay. Hello. Continuing with last week's merch theme, new drowning long sleeve tea in the store at badmagicmerch.com. I need to order it. I need to order a lot of our new new stuff. A spooky shirt with a... It's funny. It's funny. You you know someone who can just do that. You should do that. You should do that for me. Spooky shirt with a hand reaching up for the surface, uh-huh. but just can't it. quite reach it. Oh, that'd be terrible to have that happen. Uh, store at Bad Magic Merch. Uh, I'm sorry. Store at BadMagicProductions.com for any customer service questions regarding merch. There we go. Got it. And then just a quick charity announcement for March and then on to our stories. I'm so excited to tell these stories today. Especially the first one. Oh, me too. Gosh dang. Gosh dang. Bad Magic Productions, thanks to our Scared to Death and Time Suck Patreon supporters, are going to be donating to the USC Showa Foundation this month. We don't have the amount yet because of recording these advance, but I'm guessing it's going to be around $12,500. Very close to that, if not exactly that. Uh, I came across this foundation in the Armenian genocide episode of Time Suck, and in the age of misinformation, where it seems like Holocaust denial, the denial of other atrocities is on the rise, thanks to all these fake truthers out there. Uh, I think it's very important to support institutions like the USC Shoah Foundation. That's good. I think so, too. They currently have over 55,000 videos of different testimonies in their archives. Interviews average over two hours in length, so they have over 110,000 hours of firsthand accounts from survivors of the Holocaust, Mm -hmm. the Armenian Genocide, the Rwandan Genocide, and other historical atrocities. Yeah, I was listening to them with you. So much harder to uh, deny the truth when you can hear and watch thousands and thousands of survivors tell their stories. SFI.USC.edu, link in the episode description if you want to learn more or donate more. And per their website, the mission statement of the USC Shoah Foundation is to develop empathy, understanding, and respect, excuse me, through testimony. 
All right. Uh, <laughs> now for paranormal, I drink so much water too. It's I, so funny. Like I, my, it was cracking me up because you were like, "I'm not going to have the weird voice thing this week." <clears throat> I don't think it's about water. Mm-hmm. Okay, like just going back. The last time this happened, we got an email from someone yeah. who was like, "You need to see an ENT. You overuse your vocal cords. You do all these crazy voices mm-hmm. in time suck." Plus, I think post nasal drip. And if you had any like yogurt or anything like that, I did have yogurt. Yeah, it's like phlegmy, dude. That's what it is. Because mm-hmm. you have yogurt pretty much every day for breakfast. So on recording mm. days, maybe go to like toast. Okay. Oatmeal. That's what it was. Because I feel fine. I know. Um, okay. You're not sick. <laughs> uh, how many stories do you have this week, Lulu? Ooh, I have a doppelganger double header. Oh, no. Doppelganger. Oh, that's uh-huh. great. Oh, man. We haven't had one of those in a while. Uh huh. Well, yeah, I guess not. Oh, yeah, because it was clowns last week. I was trying yeah. to think. I knew that I recently scared you with something that you particularly don't care for. Yeah, this, uh, both of these are just very odd. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. Um, I have two stories per usual, uh, a big one and then a little one. And the first one is wild. It's uh, okay. reminiscent of found footage horror movies. Truly terrifying if it's true. Okay. Even if it's not, it is creepy and haunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories we've had in, in quite some time. This, I, I'm curious how, how well you're going to like it. The second tale, definitely true. Uh, we look into the tale of a Vietnamese man who chose to ignore his marriage vow of till death do his part. Death came and he chose to remain with his deceased bride. It's creepy. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And then there's a couple other examples of people doing similar things. And it's, yeah. It's, I just yeah. got the chills because I'm having so many ideas of what that could mean. <laughs> I don't want to say anything to preemptively mm-hmm. guess and then ruin it all. It's disturbing. I'm sure. Uh, are you ready for our first big story? Do you, have, mm-hmm. do you have your socks on? I do have my socks on. Look at these. Those are cool ones. Look at these unicorns. Is that my little pony? No. Oh. That's not my little pony. You don't know your ponies, man. I really don't. You really don't. Okay, how, how much setup do we have? Uh, we, we, we have no setup for oh. this first story. We had, to, we had to dig right in. Go for it. Okay. It was posted by someone who wishes to remain anonymous for reasons that will make a lot of sense by the end of this tale, if it is in fact true. Time now for the tale of the six tapes. For an anonymous or from an anonymous poster, I wish Peter was here to tell the story, but since he can't, I guess I'll just have to tell it as best I can for him. Sorry, Peter. Peter's dad, David, died in 1991. Peter, an only child, was just seven. His mom had taken off when he was just six months old, or maybe even before that. Motherhood had gotten in the way of her partying, at least that's what his dad said, and Papa Hank told him his dad found out his mom had OD'd on opiates or something a few years after she'd left. His dad had died suddenly in a car accident, and his grandparents, his dad's parents, Papa Hank and Grandma Millie, had taken him in and raised him. And now on the evening of his 16th birthday, June 13th, 2000, they were giving him the strangest gift he'd ever received. A stack of six old numbered VHS tapes. Papa Hank had told him that his father had made them just for him the day before the crash. He'd given them to Papa Hank with firm instructions to never watch them and to not give them to Peter until his 16th birthday. Weird. Finish them the day before he died. It was like his dad knew something might happen. Papa Hank told Peter that David was very, very adamant about when Peter was to watch them and that he must watch them alone. He made his parents promise to honor his wishes, said he couldn't make them understand why, only that it was very important, for Peter's eyes only. Six tapes, numbered one through six, to be watched in order, one each night and only at night, for six nights, starting on Peter's 16th birthday. Peter's eyes welled up with tears when his grandfather was done presenting them. 
He was going to get to see his dad again. He couldn't believe it. He couldn't recall ever seeing video of him. He barely had any photos of his dad. His dad was more of the picture taker, not the guy getting his photo taken. One each night for six nights in a row? Strange instructions, but Peter assumed it would all make sense soon. Or not. He didn't care. He just wanted to see his dad. He'd already celebrated his birthday earlier with a nice dinner, some presents, and his favorite cake, red velvet with vanilla, cream cheese frosting, Grandma Millie's masterpiece made from scratch. So Peter ran upstairs. He was the only one who slept on the second floor and walked into his room and shut the door behind him. He sat down on his bed and looked at the tapes. Nothing written on the labels other than for Peter and numbers. And Papa Hank told him he was only to watch them after the sun went down each night, starting tonight. So fucking weird, Peter thought. Had his dad gone crazy before he died? He'd been told the accident he'd gotten in was the other driver's fault, freak accident. Driver of a big rig had a massive heart attack behind the wheel. His truck had suddenly swerved across the median and his dad's Corolla had been hit head on. His dad, he was wearing his seatbelt, but it didn't matter. He died instantly. His car had been absolutely obliterated. At least it had been painless. What could his dad have possibly recorded, and why did he have to watch these tapes at night? He thought about watching them all right away, but then he felt guilty. If it was his father's dying wish he'd do it this way, then he'd just do it. Peter was a good kid. He didn't like to break the rules. He turned on the TV sitting on top of his dresser. He took the first tape out, and after hesitating, he was so nervous. Why was he so nervous? He stuck it in the VCR, built into his TV, along with the built-in DVD player. Hey, Peter. Holy shit. There he was, his dad, sitting in a chair next to what had to have been the breakfast table next to the kitchen in their old apartment, looking straight into the camera that seemed to have been put on a tripod. Whoa. It was so crazy to see his face, to see their old place. There was a picture of Peter in a t-ball uniform framed on the wall. He'd never stopped thinking about his dad, but he'd thought about him less the past few years. Not trying to move on just how life works. He forgot how his dad had sounded. It had been so long. I hope you're well, son. Sorry I'm not with her with you. Mom and dad treating you well? I imagine they are. I'm guessing dad just taught you how to drive just like he taught me. Hopefully with more patience. (laughs) He seems to have mellowed quite a bit. You're probably a better driver than I was too. His dad laughed again. Peter didn't laugh. It didn't feel too funny considering how his dad had died. I hope mom cooks as much as she used to. No one makes a pot roast or bakes a cookie or a cake like mom, David added before stopping and staring off into the distance for a few moments. Then, his tone shifting, he said, You have to be wondering why I'm leaving you this tape, right? Mom and dad must think I've lost my mind. If you're watching this, well, that means, that means it got me. It? Peter thought. What the hell was his dad talking about? Goosebumps broke out on his arms. His shoulders went cold. This is going to sound crazy, but well, just please listen to everything I have to say. Your mom didn't OD, and she didn't exactly abandon you. Peter's stomach sank. What was happening? We escaped from her, his dad continued, from them. Them, Peter thought. Who the fuck were them? He felt like he'd gone into shock. He felt numb, or like this was all a dream. It didn't feel real. Your mom and I, his dad continued, well... We fell in with some strange people, son. Some bad people, real bad. When you were born, we we lived on this, I guess you'd call it a compound. I don't need to go into all the details, and I'm not going to say who these people were because I don't want you to find them, but they were real into black magic, rituals. <laughs> crazy, right? His dad laughed again. You must be thinking I'm crazy now. I'd think that. Maybe, yeah, Peter thought. He was kind of hoping his dad was crazy because he didn't want to believe any of this could be real. Your mom and I, David continued, 
we were young, rebellious, like to go against how we've been raised, I guess. And we met these people, and at first, well, it just felt kind of cool to be sitting in a dark room with a pentagram of candles and drugs, sex. Jesus, I don't know how much this I should be telling you. Probably just told you way too much. Peter kept staring at the screen, mouth open, frozen in place. To say his mind was blown would be an understatement. David continued, I just, well... I just want you to know we were we were just goth kids playing around into how subversive it all was, into the dark mystery of it all. I, I didn't think it was actually real, not until that night. David trailed off, looking down and to the left, lost in thought for a moment. That night, he continued, during some kind of conjuring ritual, something actually showed up. Something terrifying. Peter got the chills and shook. As crazy as all this was, he believed his dad. Where was this going? I watched some kind of a... His dad paused, shifting around nervously in his seat before suddenly staring really intensely straight into the camera. Ah, fuck it, he said. A demon. What? A demon showed up, and the guy running this little cult of ours, he was so excited. He he said some stuff, and I don't know what he said. Maybe Latin, and this thing started to speak back to him, and then it disappeared. And this guy, our leader, I guess, he was so happy. The next day, he told us this thing was incredibly powerful, that it had blessed our little group. He said it would soon shower us with riches. Maybe he was right. Things did change after that. Some investments he made took off. Money he promised to soon share with all of us after the new compound was built. Also around the same time, we saw that crazy dark spirit. Your mom got pregnant. With you, of course. Fast forward about a year and... I don't know. And one night when you were just a little baby, I overheard your mom and the guy in charge talking about how now a sacrifice needed to be made. And you were mentioned. Uh. Long story short, you were supposed to be the payment made to whatever we'd brought into the world that night. Get the fuck out. This guy was telling your mom that it was almost time, and your mom, she seemed okay with it all. I'm sorry you're hearing that, Peter, but you have to know that you have to protect yourself. You have to understand that now you're in danger. His dad took another thoughtful pause before continuing. Thirty minutes later, he said, you and I were driving away from that place. I made it home, told mom and dad what I thought they'd understand, how we needed to hide, told them your mom was dangerous, with dangerous people, and if anyone came by, tell them they hadn't seen us or heard from us. I traded in your mom and I's old car for something else, and we laid low for a while. Some people came to the house a few times, but they never spotted us. And pretty soon, we were able to move out, and I thought all that craziness was behind us. But then, a few weeks ago, I saw her again. <gasps> I ran into your mom. She said something in a language I didn't understand, and she touched me. It felt like an electric current shot through my body, and then that night I started to see it. That thing from the compound, that demon, I started to see it outside the house in the shadows. I felt it in my room with me at night. Peter's eyes darted around his room. His dad was freaking him out. As much as he'd wanted to hear and see his dad when Papa Hank told him about the tapes, now, now he was starting to wish he'd never heard of them. But he didn't stop watching. His dad now said, The next day I went and visited a spiritualist whose shop I'd driven by probably a hundred times. She nearly fell over when I walked in the door. She told me, amongst other things, that your mom had marked me and that the thing they'd conjured still wanted you. It still wanted its sacrifice. She gave me some rituals to perform to try and protect us, but just in case it didn't work, she told me to make these tapes for you, to leave instructions behind for you. She knew this demon's name. I won't say it to give it power, but she knew. And if it uh, were to take me, she said, for reasons that don't really matter, none of this is going to make sense anyway. She said, it will come for you, but not for another nine years. Peter paused the tape. His dad sounded so crazy, but for whatever reason, he believed him. Peter believed in ghosts, demons, all that stuff, and he believed his dad. Nine years. The anniversary of his dad's death was just last week. The nine-year anniversary. 
He pressed play. I have something I I need you to say each night. I know this all sounds crazy, son, but I need you to trust me. I love you, and I need you to do this to stay safe. Repeat after me. I dolomolake, perdux en princeps, regum terra in cathedra esse lustinos, apologia nonne le nones militis invocate, sed gloria illustrabote, in sanguiste deratibi. Peter repeated his father's words. His dad spoke again. You said it, right? Yes, Peter said back to the TV. I said it, Dad. You're going to see some things, his dad said now. That can't be helped. But this will protect you. Believe that. I love you. And then after telling Peter to not tell anyone, not even his grandparents, about his mom, the cult, none of it, David reached forward and stopped the tape. What just happened? Peter grabbed the second tape and thought about just putting it in. No, 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 no. It couldn't matter, could it? Could there really be a chance anything his dad said was true? Despite what he was saying, he didn't look crazy. And for whatever reason, Peter still did believe him. Or at least believed that he believed what he was saying. Cult? His parents had been in a cult? And his mom? She was still alive? Peter fell back on his bed, his mind reeling. He'd honor his dad's wish. It was just going to take a week, a day less actually. After a few minutes of writing about everything that had just happened in his journal, he popped up, went to go use the bathroom and get ready for bed. Not that he could sleep that night. He yelled goodnight down to his grandparents, who didn't even ask about the tape, brushed his teeth, washed his face, used the bathroom, and walked back into his room still feeling like he was in a dream. He turned off the lights, crawled into bed, and felt something. Felt like something was watching him. Scanning around his room, he noticed something over by the window. Just outside the window, he knew something was there. Couldn't really see it, but it was there. Something that scared him. He closed his eyes tight and told him that if if something was there, he'd be okay. His dad would protect him. And he fell asleep. The next night, Peter watched the next tape after a long and confusing day spent wondering who his parents really were. Who he really was. Where was his mom? What was the name of that cult? So many questions. He wrote more about it in his journal. A lot more. On tape two, his dad David told him not to worry about anything he may have seen. Told him he wasn't crazy. If he thought he saw something or felt something, then he did. It was real. Peter didn't find that terribly reassuring. He'd rather believe that he had just gotten worked up and imagined something. His dad had him repeat those strange words again. E dolomolake, perdux e presemps regum terra in cathedra esse, lustinos apologia none, legiones milites invocate, sed gloria elestrabote, in sanguiste deratibi. And then David told him goodnight, that he loved him, and that he'd see him tomorrow. What the fuck? After crawling into bed again that night, Peter felt something outside the window once more. This time when he looked, he could see something. He saw the faint red glow of what looked like eyes. Unblinking eyes surrounded by a dark shape. Shades darker than the surrounding night. He got the chills and did a hard blink, hoping it wouldn't be there when he opened his eyes again. It was still there, still staring at him, floating up in the night air. Was that the thing they'd conjured? Was all of this real? He shut his eyes tight again and thought about his father. His dad would protect him. The next day was a rinse and repeat of the day before. Pondering over the same questions, more journal writing, Peter resolved that at the end of the week, once the tapes were over, cult or not, he would try to find his mom. He'd ask his grandparents about everything, once it was all over. The third video ended the same as the first two, with that same protection uh, chant. 
i Dolomolake, perduxen presemps regum terra in cathedra esse, lustinos, apologia nonne legiones milites invocate, sed gloria illustrabote in sanguiste deritibi. His dad assured him not to worry about the presence he undoubtedly was seeing now. All part of the ritual, it would soon be over. Day four. Peter started to notice that strange shadow during the day now. It felt like it was following him. He never saw it directly during the day, but he could feel it nearby, watching him. He kept seeing movement out of the corners of his eyes. Soon, soon it would all be over. The fourth tape was more reassurance that everything he felt was normal. Was that a good thing? His dad explained that the spiritualist told him the incantation had to draw the demon near him before he could banish it and then protect him. Real comforting, thought Peter. He had to draw a demon near. Cool. David apologized for somehow pulling him into all this, told him he'd give every, anything to go back and never meet up with those terrible people his mother and he had found so interesting all those years ago. David told him to avoid people like that at all costs, that Peter should know now that dark forces do in fact exist and are not to be messed with. They repeated the incantation. David told Peter he loved him, and that was it for the fourth tape. David lay in bed that night with the craziest mix of thoughts and emotions. That thing was just outside the window now. It made him feel sick to his stomach. He wanted nothing more than for it to go away forever. But also, it did feel good to have this new nighttime ritual with his father. It made his dad somehow seem alive still. He both couldn't wait for this all to be over, but also, he'd be sad not to hear any new messages from his father. David clamped his eyes, or Peter clamped his eyes shut after a quick glance at the thing with the red, unblinking eyes that he now knew he'd see, the thing that seemed to hover just a few inches outside his window. Ugh. After a horrible night of sleep full of nightmares he couldn't quite remember in the morning, he woke up to the fifth day of this madness. The fifth day was terrible. Everywhere he looked, he seemed to see the shadowy thing. It watched from dark corners, from up under branches in the sh shaded center of trees, anywhere there were shadows he'd see it. Peter felt like he was losing his mind. His grandparents seemed worried about him, told him he seemed off. He told him he was just a little shook up, hearing from his dad. He'd be better soon. And that seemed to be a good enough answer to get them to leave him alone. Fine. Just two more tapes, two more tapes, and it would all be over. That night on the fifth tape, Peter's father told him he'd have to be really strong, that the fear would be worse than ever, oh boy. but that he'd almost made it to the end. That night, the shadow was back and now inside his window. Aww. It was in the room with him. He could feel the cold radiate off of it. The cold of nothingness, the complete absence of any and all good, the cold of death. The sixth day was a nightmare. Peter left school after first period. He couldn't stop seeing that thing. His classmates were all staring at him. They watched him try and keep his eyes closed. During the rare moment, moments they were open, they watched his eyes dart all around frantically and then fix themselves on something only he could see. He looked crazy. He felt crazy. That dark shape. Its edges weren't totally defined, but it was roughly the shape of the upper half of a man. A swirling, chaotic mass of tendrils of darkness in those two red eyes. No other distinguishable features. No discernible mouth, ears, or even limbs of any kind. Just a floating, shadowy shape, and what felt like an old, dark intelligence behind it. It hovered just a few feet away now, always near. Peter went to a park near his house, sat on a picnic table, and read a book he had a report on coming up for lit class. He hoped being out in the sunshine, reading Pride and Prejudice, definitely not a scary book, could help him just get through the day. Just a few more hours now. He wrote in his journal about all of it. Anything to keep himself busy and to help keep moving the clock along. And all the while, the thing hovered nearby. 
The moment the sun went down that night, Peter put in the sixth and final tape. How he wished his father David was still alive. He wished he could be here with him to explain everything. After saying hello, his dad told him to repeat that protection incantation one last time, and that then he would explain so much more to him. E dolomolake, perduxe princeps regum terra, in cathedra esse lustinos, apologia nonne, laid Jonas milites, invocate, sed gloria illustrabote, et sanguiste, deratibi. And then David said, Did you say it, Peter? If not, you need to hurry and say it now. It won't stop unless you do, and you don't have much time. I said it, Dad. Peter spoke to the TV. Good, said David, as if he'd actually hear him. It's almost over. And then the tape cut out for a moment, just a moment. And then when it came back from a split second of static, David was back on screen, but he changed. He was older. He looked roughly a decade older, dressed in clothes that looked new. The image was crisper too, better video quality, a better recording, and it wasn't filmed in the same location. What the fuck? Then a woman Peter didn't recognize walked into frame and sat next to David. A woman who looked a little like Peter. Say hello to your mom,、oh、said David. Oh my god! Hello, Peter, she said, and thank you. Sorry it had to end this way, but sacrifices must be made. Promises must be kept. The toll must be paid. Goodbye, my sweet baby. Both David and Peter's mother now said something he couldn't understand, speaking in unison. Yam sanguistos, molaka, et victigal solvit, fitum survive. Before the tape cut out, David spoke once more. The deal has been made, Peter. Your sacrifice has given us so much.、Oh、Thank、God. you, my son. And then not only did the tape stop playing, but the power went out and the room went black. Peter could now hear chanting from downstairs. His head ached. He felt tears on his cheek. He felt sick. The thing in the room with him now seemed more alive than ever. It felt hungry. He could feel it moving towards him. Peter ran out of his room and down the stairs, only to find his grandparents standing next to his father and mother, all of them chanting. The dark thing now appeared in front of them. He ran back upstairs and locked his door. He picked up the phone to call for help, but the line was dead. He quickly wrote in his journal the gist of what happened that night. He wrote of this still chanting family. Coming from up the stairs, he wrote of a pounding on the door, and then that was all he wrote. I have no idea what happened to him next. Wrote the poster of this story. I have to imagine he died after furiously scribbling down, scribbling down everything that happened. I came across his journal and those tapes just a few years ago in a box in the attic when my parents bought what must have been Hank and Millie's old house. They weren't the owners before us. I guess the house has changed quite a bit in the last few years. I was so curious after reading the journal. I had the VHS tapes transferred to digital files. Everything Peter wrote was on them. Oh my God! I watched, but I sure, but I sure as shit never repeated that bullshit protection spell. I found out it was in Latin, Latin for Moloch, by the chief prince of the seat of Apologia in the Ninth Legion. I do invoke thee. I honor thee and give you my blood. Oh my God! Moloch is some kind of demon, some old Christian god. Well, pre-Christian god, excuse me, known mostly for child sacrifice. And on the sixth tape, the final message, Latin again. Our blood is now yours, Moloch. The toll paid, the promise kept. I called the police, offered to give them the tapes and the journal, and they couldn't have cared less. Said no one by Peter's name had officially went missing, so there was no case to investigate. Was it all just made up? Seemed like a lot to go through for a joke of some kind. If the police aren't going to do anything, I figured the least I could do was tell the story. But I won't leave my name attached to it. Peter's parents, grandparents, probably still out there. I sure as shit don't want to make it easier for them to find me. I'm done sharing his short story now, forever, and I'm gonna burn those tapes and journal. Sorry, Peter. Careful playing out there in the dark, everyone. 
it seems there are things out there that can do a lot more than just scare you. Yikes. Yikes. I knew that that's what was going to happen. The third time that he said it, I was Mm -hmm. like, something is not right. With his dad asking him Mm -hmm. to say that thing Mm -hmm. over and over? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just like, all of a sudden, I was like, wait a second. And I thought maybe like it's not his dad. Maybe that maybe it's not All protection. Right. Like I, I was having I did not think that the grandparents were in on it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. The mom part was a bit dicey for me, but mm-hmm. I definitely started to feel like something was off. That would be so far to go for a joke. If that, <laughs> right. if that didn't happen, right. yeah. that is like going so well, far. Yeah, so far. It, I mean, if whoever like posted that actually did find that box and journal like if that part's true, mm-hmm. then whoever made those tapes in journal, I mean, that's a long way to go for a joke. It's a long way to go. And I would just say that if the entire thing is false, if the poster made up the right. whole story, man, they should be writing books or horror movies or something. Because that it just feels too too good to not be something else. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the, the story is, like, too intense. It's too much. Like, why wouldn't you just have a career making film oh, you know oh, what like, i mean it's why, like why, why would you just anonym- waste it on an anonymous post <laughs> right right just throw it up on some it like seems, subreddit or whatever like yeah it seems like a ridiculous waste of your talents if you're making that shit up yeah i didn't I, like I, that ho- sound you made I hope, hopefully i did the uh I, that's what i was practicing before it's like i don't i've never done latin so i was like <laughs> I, was giving it, I was giving it my best i, I to took, say that right i took two years of latin in high school and i heard you didn't do great but yeah. you did take it i got i i passed my freshman year with a D. And then my second year, my teacher said he was giving me an F minus, which isn't even a thing. <laughs> he actually said you're going to get an F minus? Yeah, he said, I'm giving you an F minus. You're so terrible at Jeez, this. Wow. Mr. Lupica. Well, fuck Mr. Lupica. And he wasn't wrong. <laughs> uh, here's a couple pictures associated with the story. The first, a sketch of Moloch based on passages from the Old Testament. It looks like Pharaoh-esque. So, yeah, because yeah, it is like that, that era around, mm-hmm. like, you know... Um, when the Old Testament was being written around Jer- Jerusalem, you know. Uh, well, sure, because it all stems from Egypt anyways. Right. This was like a Babylonian god, I think, mm-hmm. and strongly associated with child sacrifice. And then it's become associated with like, you know, demonic stuff in the years since. Um, this next picture is a statue of Moloch mm-hmm. from the 1914 epic silent film Kabiria, now in Italy's National Museum of Cinema in Turin. Do you remember that movie, something about water, and she falls in love ah, with the underwater yeah, it looks, creature? Look like it that. looks like that. What the, was that? The shape of water, the, the color. Shape, shape of water. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great movie. And then um, one final picture of Moloch, uh, somebody's Blah. imagining. Yeah. That is, that one is particularly eeky. Eek. Uh, okay. Any, anytime something doesn't have a mouth, I really feel like it just gets me. Ugh. Uh huh. Oof. No thanks. Yeah. So that was a so that was an intense one. Yeah. Now, how many times have you said that prayer? Mm, I don't remember how many times I said it. Three or four. I think you should stop. <laughs> not, how many times not, did you practice it? I don't know. I I feel like I need to like load your pockets up with crystals, <laughs> and I need to burn some sage and like swoosh it around your head because I'm a little bit nervous for you. And I'm so skeptical of that stuff, but I was freaking myself out doing Saying that little it? incantation. Yeah, yeah, as you should. Yeah, 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 yeah. You are going to need some cleansing tonight, my friend. Oh, man, I got a Michael McDonald t-shirt on. That probably helps. I don't, well. He's, he's powerful. <laughs> right? He protects, he protects me. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a source of light. Sure. I mean, he's the, the god of time suck, so. He's, yeah, he's a lesser deity over time suck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Are you ready to move away from the possibility of demonic con- conjuring Ooh. and sacrifice? Sorry, that story is just so particularly difficult for me. I don't know if it's like my Catholic upbringing. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know. It's really settling into my bones right now, and I'm not caring for it very much. That one's going to linger a little bit. I guess I'll have to stay up all night watching Yellowstone to get my mind off of it. There you go. Yeah, it's a good plan. It's a good plan. It's a great show. (laughs) You ready to move on now? I am. I I think, I guess. (laughs) We head now to an exploration of remaining with your partner past death right after the sponsor break. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna. To keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale. Even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch. When it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. And we're back into the show, Creeps and Peepers. A little bit of setup, but not much for this next very just creepy story. Okay, well, I'm happy to have anything that's not <laughs> devil, possession, cults, No, Latin. it's not that, yeah. Aha, I'm so freaked out. Uh, I'm guessing whatever your relationship with death is, you know it's healthy and normal to want to put some distance between yourself and death. There are good reasons. Most of us are generally grossed out by dead things on the side of the road, just as there are good reasons for burying our dead. In addition to giving us some emotional closure, it also prevents us from witnessing literal rot and decay. It keeps disease from spreading. It allows us to draw a firm line between us, the living, and them, the dead, we in our realm, them and theirs. While most seem to find comfort in that line, not everyone wants to draw it. When the story of Mr. Lee Van broke in 2009, most people thought it was a hoax. Mr. Van is from a small town in the central Vietnamese province of Quang Nam called uh, Halam Town. When he met his wife, Pham Thi Suong, in 1975, it was actually not love at first sight. They hardly knew each other. Their parents had arranged their marriage years before, and as soon as Van was discharged from the military, he married the woman his parents had chosen. And while the idea of an arranged marriage might not appeal to you, it certainly doesn't appeal to me. don't even like to think who my parents would have picked. Oh, my God. <laughs> it worked out beautifully for Lee Van and Pham Thi Suong. Uh, the more they got to know each other, the more they cared for each other. And soon, the newly wedded couple was truly in love with one another, and their love continued to grow and grow. They had seven children, raising them all in a small and happy house. And then one day in 2003, tragedy struck. Mr. Van, who was working away from home, got news that his wife had suddenly died. No details are given of exactly how she died. 
We only know based on several Vietnamese news outlets that he rushed home, looked at his spouse's face for a few minutes before authorities took her body to the morgue, and soon after that, she was buried. And that is where the story should have ended. But of course, since I'm telling it here, it did not. Time now for the tale of death will not do us apart. After she was buried, Mr. Van returned to the site of her grave and began to spend most of his time there, day and night. He began sleeping out in the elements atop his wife's grave. His children felt sorry for their father, so lost in his grief. When the rainy season arrived, they assumed he'd head inside and mourn in a more typical fashion. Instead, Van decided to dig a tunnel. Oh, boy. Van felt the best way to stay close to his deceased wife was to dig down into her grave where he could and did begin to sleep next to her remains. Oh. When his children found out, they begged him to stop further desecrating their mother's gravesite. Cemetery officials also threatened legal action. So Van decided to stay away from the cemetery. He'd never return there again after he brought his beloved wife's body back home. Get the fuck out. He knew that due to decomposition, he wouldn't be able to just lay her remains down in bed next to him. So he made a hollow statue in the shape of a woman that looked like her. He built it out of plaster, cement, glue, and sand. And then he put his wife's rotting remains inside it. Mm. Then he placed this statue slash coffin on his bed and laid next to it that night, sleeping together just like they did before in life. And he laid like that the night after. And the night after that, and on, and on, and on. And he's laid like that now every night for over 16 years. Shut up. Initially, when Lee Van's children learned what he'd done, they were disgusted and furious. They demanded that he return their mother's body to her final resting place. But he refused. He said he couldn't go on without her. Neighbors stopped visiting. Friends stopped coming over. The authorities were alerted. The police tried convincing him to return his wife's body to the cemetery repeatedly. But because he wasn't hurting anyone else, because he made such a scene when they tried to separate him from his wife's remains, they just gave up and let him keep what was left of his wife beside him in bed. Unbelievable. For the last two years, Lee Van has been confined to a wheelchair, but he still manages to crawl into bed next to the statue containing his wife's remains every night. He also cleans it puts its makeup on every day, and changes its clothes. What? Is he the only one driving all of this? Or does the spirit of his dead wife call out to him from her bones? Was she no more ready than he was to be separated? Van's not the only person who has gone to such great lengths to stay close to a loved one. 79-year-old Marcel H. from Liege, Belgium, died in November 2012 of an asthma attack. His wife was so upset that she failed to report the death and continued to sleep next to his decomposing body until Belgian authorities found his remains at their home a full year later. Night after night, she'd laid next to his increasingly rotten remains for a year. In January of 2014, like something out of an Alfred Hitchcock uh, movie like Psycho, a man was discovered to have spent not just a year, but the past decade no, with his mother's mummified corpse. This was only discovered after he himself died. Claudio Alferi, 58, was found lying over a chair in his Buenos Aires apartment besides what was described as a, what was described as a dried out woman wrapped in plastic bags and wearing slippers propped up and sitting at the kitchen table. Oh my God. Did he have a decade's worth of daily meals with her remains? I have to assume he did. Did he speak to her during their meals? Did he think he heard her speak back to him? 
Are these people just crazy, mentally ill, suffering from an especially extreme emotional response to the trauma of losing a loved one? Is that all that's at work here? Or what if in some cases they're drawn to these corpses, called to them? What if they're actually hearing the voices of their loved ones from beyond the grave? What if while their loved ones' bodies may rot, their spirit, their soul is still alive as ever? What if their essence is still attached to the mortal coil they've refused to shed? I mean, listen, babe. <laughs> I, like, really, truly love you more than anything yeah. in this whole wide uh, world. Yeah. That's not going to happen. What? <laughs> You're just going to leave me in the ground somewhere? Yeah. You're not going to let me stay in bed? I'll I'll cremate you. I'll have your ashes made into a lovely piece of jewelry. No, put me in. I want to be put in a little doll. Oh, oh, sure. You want to be put in a doll? Fine. I'm putting you in a fucking clown. A clown doll? Yeah. No. Yep. No, you got to face your fears, even in death. (laughs) Okay. That is insane. Mm -hmm. It is so creepy. I have pictures. Oh, God. I was afraid you'd say that. (laughs) Oh, this, God. Oh, God. I don't want to. <laughs> Multiple Vietnamese news out. This picture is Lee Van and his wife. So there's, he's in the wheelchair. There's recent. And there's her kind of weird mannequin statue tomb thing I in bed. I just don't get it. And then here's, an, <laughs> here's another picture of the two of them in bed together. Oh, my God. It's so weird. It's like a paper mache doll. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh one more picture of the two of them. Did you make this up? No, I did not. You can this look. Is this crazy. is not a hoax. This is one that when they're still alive, so you can see like the doll does kind of resemble her picture there. I mean, I guess, sure. And then this is disturbing. This is a blurred photo of the corpse of Marcel H from Liege, Belgium. I'm you so know, nervous. Found in his wife's bed. Oh my god! Look at the hand. I mean, that's just he's been dead for a year. Well, look at the stomach is rotted out. Whoa! <laughs> the smell alone. Oh my god. Oh my good lord. And then I this now this last photo is of another dead body I could have included in today's story, but I feel like you got the point. This is Bernie Lomax. This is the boss of two young insurance corporation employees, Larry Wilson and Richard Parker. Bernie's dead body was paraded around in public for days as if he had never died at all. Wait, so the, that's the a guy, dead body. The guy in the, in the middle is is dead. Yeah, that's from 1989's weekend at Bernie's. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I thought it seemed too weird. Uh, and then I was like, wait, what? So, you know. I clearly never saw that movie. <laughs> so good job. Yes! Dad I'm joke back. for the win. <laughs> oh my god. I was like, wait, what? I'm like, that body has a lot of color in it. Oh my god. Uh, but the other stuff, yeah, is, is real. That is so fucking crazy. Because, like, okay, obviously, like, we've recently had some death in our family. Yeah. And so I was just thinking about, like, my cousins, their their dad died recently, yeah. well, actually just two days after your grandfather. And if my cousins were just like having dinner with their with my uncle, mm-hmm. what? Oh my god! What if we went to Grandma disturbing. Betty's? Oh my god! And Papa Ward is just like propped up there in his rock <sighs> in his uh, lazy boy. What a oh my god! What a nightmare that would be to deal with. I just can't. That's so disturbing. I don't know how you deal with it. You have to just force it. You're just like, sorry, you're gonna have to go to a psychiatric ward for a little while. Right. I mean, I guess, you know, you try and get them committed. Right. The, the person's like, you need professionals to, you know, get you back down off the off the ledge. And then while you're locked up somewhere, we're gonna make sure that the body is reburied and can't be dug back up again. Well, and also, isn't it illegal to exhume a body? Yes. I mean, in our country, it is. I assume in most countries. I don't know about Vietnam. I mean, the news outlet said that authorities came by. And then just let him keep her. I don't know if it's because she was in that mummified situation. Well, and then also I'm sure the how, laws vary 
you know, from country to country. I was confused by the fact that he dug this tunnel and found her body. So she, I don't know what their burial traditions are. Yeah, I couldn't get that info either. she must not have been in a coffin. Uh, yeah, because it didn't say, it said, it said laid next to her body, but that's what I wondered too. I'm like, do you mean like laid next to her coffin? I would assume coffin. But or a coffin if he, if he is dug so in there, heavy. Have you ever been a pallbearer? I, I haven't actually. Coffins are so heavy. Now, now, you've been a pallbearer? No, but like I've been, uh, okay, so m- my family does things yeah. a little bit different than your family, and we yeah, unfortunately yeah. had a lot of death in mm-hmm. my childhood. You guys would have a wake and everything, right? You'd have a wake, so you'd have a showing, and yeah. I have bumped into coffins, I have touched coffins, I have yeah. touched dead bodies in coffins. It is not light. I mean, there's a reason why there's six or eight yeah. dudes, usually like young strapping men, yeah. you know, that carry it. Right. I mean, it's it's a it's yeah, and then it has to go on like a, a when they put it in the back of the hearse. It, there's usually some sort of like rolling mechanism to like help push it into the back of the hearse, right? You're not just like shoving it in there. Yeah, it's a whole situation. Mm, I don't, I don't I mean, know. I don't know. Oof. Okay, this is sad, but I'm going to say it anyways. When I was younger, my aunt Joyce, who mm-hmm. has since passed away, her son was killed oh, in a yeah. tragic accident, mm-hmm. right? And when you, I had never seen grief. Like Ugh. that. I mean, I, I can, yeah. being a parent, of course, I can respect it. Mm-hmm. But she literally tried to crawl in the coffin with him. Whoa. And it was. Man, that's. Uh, it, oh, it was God everything. Damn. It was everything. She had to be medicated in the whole, like, you know, to get through it, right? Uh, yeah. Her 20 year old son just gone. Yeah. So when grief strikes you like that, because every person is different, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't think about you dying without completely losing my shit, mm-hmm. right? I can't think about losing either my parents, with like, not in any real way without really breaking down. Yeah. But I also know that it's part of life, and mm-hmm. I understand it. And I just am so curious what happens in someone's brain. I'm sure there's a whole psychology class about this somewhere, death and grief and all mm-hmm. that, that makes you go that far. Yeah. Because I don't know if I buy into the paranormal part of it. Right, right, right. Yeah, my, that's a I mean, speculation. it's creepy nonetheless, mm-hmm. and I'm glad it was on the show. Just yeah. another element to talk about, but oh, my Lord. How, how often do you think about me dying? Well, you know that I like to tease you about me dying first. Oh, okay. So when I think about that, I think about, you know, what if, what if he died first? Because, mm. like, I've been picking out future wives for you, and you're not. Which is super weird. But also hilarious at parties with our friend Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell her to go ask her future husband to get her a drink. So morbid. <laughs> Listen, it's dead. It happens. Mm-hmm. Like you, I don't know. I don't believe in just pretending like it's, there has to be light in it, right? Like d- death can't be 100% dark and sad. Yeah. I just, I don't know. And we know what's going to happen. And you know, what are you going to do? Become a robot. Are you going to cheat it? Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. I was also thinking, would you like some cleansing spray? Because like that yeah, prayer. Is that first story? Yeah. Maybe. Really trying to I don't get know. it over by Ooh, you. That stuff kind of stings now. Like I feel more powerful. <laughs> I felt more powerful as I was telling that story, too. No, that's not true. This comes from I'm, Amara I'm gonna make B. Some, I have some stock tips. No, no, no. None of that is real. Mm, I just feel stronger. That's my cleansing spray from Amara B. Okay. It's good. Good. It's kept me safe. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I don't know about me either now. Okay, well. Maybe I'm fine. Maybe I have a helper now. Maybe. Maybe I'm not me. Oh yeah, that's right. That's where we're going now. Yes, I do. Which uh, who's your yeah, squishy I'm, friend this I'm week? I'm going. I, I play this the classic. Uh, I love. She still, that, she still smells good. I love that you sniff her every time. Mm-hmm. Some just, weird. I can't, creep. I can't believe how long it lasts. Yeah, she smells like gingerbread. Okay, I think she smells like fake chocolate, which smells like these chapsticks I had when I was a kid, and I hate it. Well, I love it. Well, good. I'll bottle it up for you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
Anyways, we are going up to Connecticut, Mm -hmm. where I don't think we've been in quite some time, if ever. Yeah, if ever. I mean... I was trying to recall. uh, We had to have been there. There was that... There was that, I mean, that horror movie, the, what, The Haunting in Connecticut. I don't know if we've oh, ever, yeah. I don't know if that's based on a true story. Now I can't remember. Well, then I was trying to think. I think we have, but I can't, I'm not sure. There was a. Too a, many stories now. A couple driving down a road. I mean, that's mm. like, could be so many stories. <laughs> it's not Dice Road. But I just, I was yeah, like. Yeah, that's Ugh. Michigan. I know that's Michigan, but I swear that I had some memory of Connecticut couple driving down a road. Some Maybe like an now alien situation. We, now I'm wishing we had one of those maps where you put the pins in, mm. like the locations of all the stories. <gasps> oh, man. That would be so That'd cool. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Art project. Yeah, art project. Art project. Who wants to do it? You do. I don't have time for that. <laughs> but that would be so fun. Yeah. Dang it. Okay. Well, anyways, our fan Tiffany has quite the story to tell. Now, it, I do feel like I need to say... It is a slow build, and at some point you're going to be like, what is happening here? Like, mm-hmm. where, where are we going with this? So just hang tight, because the ending, I swear to God, will blow your freaking mind. Okay. Okay. And okay. it better, because if not, I'll be really bummed. <laughs> okay. Hello, Scared to Death crew. My name is Tiffany Ratcliffe from Connecticut. I just started watching your podcast on YouTube and listening to it on Spotify, because I simply cannot get enough. Yes. I know. It's so sweet. My friends listened to you guys and told me to check it out. And because I love a good scare, even though this shit freaks the hell out of me, I listened and watched you guys everywhere and even showed my mom and she's now hooked. Okay, (laughs) now I'd like to tell you a story from my childhood. It was 2007, the beginning of November. I was 13 and at the time I had three brothers, Ryan 10, Stephen 9, and Louis 6. My mom, Joanne, had bowling that night. Therefore, my grandmother, Winnie, was watching us. It was 9 o'clock at night on a Friday, and Graham let me stay up later than my brothers because I was older. As Graham and I were watching the movie Shrek, we heard footsteps upstairs. Graham assumed it was just one of the boys going to the bathroom and ignored it. But then we heard a loud thud come from upstairs. Grandma moved to the edge of her seat to get a better listen and to see if maybe the boys were just trying to play some sort of game. Another thud never followed, so Graham ignored it and cozied back into the couch to watch the movie. Soon after, we paused the movie as we heard one of the boys coming down the stairs. But it didn't sound like the light footsteps of a young boy. It sounded heavier, like the weight of a full-grown man coming down the steps. But it was Lewis, after all, coming down. Graham and I exchanged confused glances. Why had those footsteps made us both so uneasy? Lewis was looking down at the floor, avoiding eye contact at all costs. He walked around the couch, passing us both, and headed straight into the kitchen. Graham said, Lewis, do you want me to get you some water? Lewis replied in a voice that sounded much lower than his own, yes. Grandma got up and went around the corner into the kitchen where both of us watched, where both of us had watched Lewis go when she gasped, Lewis, where did you go? Graham peered into the living room and then asked me, did you see him come back this way? I said, how could you miss him if he came back this way? He would have had to walk past both of us. In a panic, Graham replied in utter confusion, I know, but I didn't know if maybe I just didn't see him. Then she yelled out, Lewis, where did you go? I looked upstairs as Graham went to the basement to see if he had snuck down there to play with his toys. Lewis was obsessed with buses and fire trucks (laughs) and would do anything to get in some extra time with his favorite toys. I looked in all three bedrooms upstairs and my mom's room, which was next to the basements, next to the basement, since on occasion, Lewis slept in mom's room because he was too afraid to sleep by himself. Graham came back up and asked me, well, did you find him? 
I was starting to panic a little, but tried to keep calm so she couldn't see how scared I was. Nope, he's not upstairs or in my mom's room. Completely confused now, she said, well, where the fuck did he go? He does some, how does someone just disappear? Okay, maybe he went outside for some reason. You stay inside and don't open the doors unless it's me or Lewis. Graham headed out the back door to do a perimeter check. I watched her through the window, walking around the entire house. I didn't see Lewis anywhere. As Graham disappeared around the house, I was still looking out the back door when I heard Lewis call my name from the kitchen. Hey, Tiff, he said. I whipped around and was freaked out to find no one there. I called out to him, Lewis, this is not funny. You are freaking us out. Come out now. Graham came rushing through the front door. I didn't find him anywhere. Where the hell did that boy go? He's not in the house and he's not outside. Where is he? I heard Lewis call out my name while you were outside, but when I turned around, Lewis was nowhere to be found, I told my grandma. Concerned, Grams pondered, where the fuck is he? It was now 10 p.m. and we had been searching for Lewis for almost an hour when my mom came back from bowling. She could see we were in distress as she walked in the house. What's going on? She asked. My, she asked. Did you happen to see Lewis on your way up to the house? My grandma asked her. My mom was baffled. Lewis? No. Why would Lewis be outside? Graham filled my mom in on what had transpired over the course of the evening. My mom started to really freak out. She said, well, I don't understand why you think you saw Lewis. Lewis is at his dad's house. He was picked up this morning after the other kids went to school. Fear washed over Graham and I's face. I felt like I had just swallowed my heart. Frantically, Graham yelled at my mom, Joanne, I am telling you, we both saw Lewis with our own eyes. My mom continued to reject this possibility. I just don't see how that would be possible because, like I said, Lewis isn't here. Graham protested. Joanne, he spoke to us. We had a conversation. I asked him if he wanted a glass of water, and he said yes. And then I butted in, Mom, I saw him too. He said my name, and it sounded exactly like Lewis. Ready to put an end to all of this, my mom called Lewis's dad. Hello? Gary said, confused as to why my mom was calling him so late. You still have Lewis with you, right? Still confused, Gary said. Uh, yeah, why? Mom asked if Lewis was awake and could she talk to him. Gary, clearly feeling like he was going to be in trouble for keeping Lewis up so late, said, Yeah, 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 he's up. Uh, we're just cleaning up his buses. We were playing with them and I, I didn't realize how late it was. Gary, I don't care. I just want to hear his voice. Please. As Lewis got on the phone, my mom switched it over to speakerphone. Lewis excitedly said, Hi, Mommy. Daddy and I are putting away my buses. Daddy got me a big new bus and a fire truck. My mom replied, That's good, babe. I just want to say good night and I love you. Okay, Mom. I love you, too. Gary got back on the phone. What's wrong? My mom explained everything. Ma and Tiff said they saw Lewis come down the stairs and walk into the kitchen. They were completely freaked out. Gary's answer was not one of understanding. What the fuck, Joanne? I told you to not fuck around with that stupid Ouija board and go and going ghost hunting was a bad idea. Now look at what happened. Taking an audible breath, Gary followed up. We're going to bed. Will you guys be okay? Yeah, we'll be fine. Thanks, my mom said. See, I told you. He's at his dad's. You heard him for yourself. I don't know what the fuck you guys saw, but it definitely wasn't Lewis. Yeek. So really quick, who, who, Joanne, who, which one was the one playing with the Ouija board? Joanne, the mom. 
Okay. So the mom. Okay. So yep. 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 Get no, it? I got it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, that is crazy. To have uh, two witnesses of this little kid in a place where he definitely was not at one, that time. He's one thousand percent not there. Those are, that's such a weird one. The doppelgangers because. Those are the weird, almost like the weirdest ones to me. Because uh-huh. I'm like, what the hell is that? When when people witness somebody who's not dead, they're just not there. They're in some other location, mm-hmm. and then they see this thing. So, what is mimicking them? Is it like my mind goes to so many uh, possibilities, like like a glitch in the multiverse, uh-huh. where it's like some parallel dimension kind of thing, where it's like you know, in dimension one, Lewis made this choice, and dimension two, he oh, made this yeah. other choice. Like choose your own adventure, <laughs> right? Right. That we're always constantly doing, which is plays into that kind of multiverse theory, and that they saw like a glimpse of him from the wrong universe, I mean, which is a weird thought, I know. And then the Ooh. and then the other creepier thought uh, to me, which is like that's the I'm okay with that. Thought. Right, that's like the safe. That's bet. a safe thought. Yeah. The, the creepy thought is that something else can mimic us uh-huh. and, and and match our looks and oh, match God. our voices and just. But, but then why? Why would it do that? Well, and the the added element that mom mm-hmm. had been screwing around with Ouija boards right. it, is what really like. It just made me think the not so good stuff. It made Ugh. me feel like, okay, well, would they have kept searching for Lewis? What if mom hadn't come home on time? What if she, you know, gone out yeah. for a drink with her friends after bowling? Like, what if they spent the evening oh looking? Where would where would Lewis have drawn them to? What was going to happen outside if grandma stayed outside too? Like, I, mm-hmm. uh, what, if, what if right now my eyes rolled back up into my head? Yeah. You could just see the whites of my eyes. Uh-huh. And just from memory, I did that Latin incantation. How scared would you be? Uh, I'll probably like give you a round of applause. Oh, uh, like, like putting on such a performance? Yeah. Or would you literally run from the room? You know, I have never had that kind of fear. So I don't know if I would uh, run. Mm. Well, actually, you know, I would probably cry because one time you scared me so good I cried. <laughs> so, so my greatest moments. <laughs> it was pretty epic. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That story just mm. when I was reading it, I was like, where's this going? You know, like what is happening? Okay, so. So you can't find a kid. Like, I did not expect Lewis to be at his dad's house. Right. And then to be confirmed with a phone call and, you know, I just don't know, man. Yeah. Yee. <laughs> I know. Who, like, uh, well, okay, okay, mm. okay. Think about how our life is. Yeah. Where our kids split time. Right. Okay. Oh, my God. That yeah. is That is the perfect example. What if today I went home? <sighs> And Kyler was just in the kitchen making a grilled cheese sandwich, as he does. Mm-hmm. And then it took you a second to register, like, oh, okay. Oh, I took him to his like, mom's you're, you're yesterday. And, 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 then, and then he goes up to his room, and then it clicks. So, like, oh, my God, he's not supposed to be here right now. Uh-huh. And then you call his or call him, yeah. and he answers the phone from his mom's. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's when I have to take you to a, a institution. Oh, that's oh, that's my fault? Just how you, you would lose your mind. Uh, if that okay. happened. I thought you were just committing me without even having a conversation about it first. Like, No, I might lose my mind in that situation as well. Okay, good. But I feel like that would break you. Probably. Probably. Well, I don't know. We have some witchy friends. I would want some witchy help first before we go full on psychology, mm-hmm. psychiatrist, meds. Right. Like I want to try and avoid medicating this brain any more than I have to. Those padded rooms like for acoustics oh, and recording yeah. a podcast would be great. So if you, guys, if you guys both have to go in, we'll just still do the show from there. <laughs> Actually, that bounce would, around in there a little bit. That would boost the show if we see some things because of this show. And we oh start having my bus- god, and, and literally ends up with both of us committed to an asylum, and then we are somehow allowed to still record this podcast. <laughs> That's some good press. Like the nurses there are like, okay, if you're one thing you get to do, 
we're both that's fu- a good that's a both, good hook yeah we're both fucked up on like antipsychosis drugs and oh my god that'd be a very interesting episode i mean terrible for our lives terrible but, terrible for our children but great for the growth of the mm-hmm. show well who knows what's gonna happen <laughs> Who knows where we're headed? I mean, I didn't think I would make it this far without being committed. So True. you've been doing good. You've been doing I'm, really good. I know I can't. You gotta I, figure it out. I have a system. When I leave this studio, I give no thought to it. That's it. I can mm-hmm. only focus on it here. Even last night I was putting these together, just finishing touches for today at home. And I was like, Oh, why do we do this oh. at home? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I do the horse. Actually, that reminds me. Yeah. Just because I've talked about it a few times in previous episodes, I did finish The Haunting of Hill House. Can we get and, your recap at I, the end? Uh, I don't even need a recap. Oh, okay. I just wanted to say I thought it was great. Oh, okay. So yeah. I made it through the whole season one. Great. Great. That's it? That's it. Oh, okay. I thought just there was going to be more. Any, no, just for anybody, if they're listening, like, uh, if, they're, if they're thinking about watching that show, mm-hmm. they're not a sponsor or anything. Mm-hmm. I just, um, I appreciate a solid Solid horror cinema okay. or series, and I thought they did a great job. Okay, yeah. No, actually, we have gotten some emails asking what you thought of it, so mm-hmm. there you have it. All right, are you ready for story number two? I am. More doppelganger-ish oh. stuff? Mm, okay, yeah. I, I, I did say it was a doppelganger doubleheader. Oh, okay. I'm, yep, yep, I'm ready. You're I'm ready, ready now. Okay, okay. Well, if that last story didn't mess you up, I just feel like this one will. I feel like both of these stories are just going to mess with your head for days to come. Okay. You might have a little tough time sleeping <laughs> great okay you're welcome hello to the queen and king of spoopyville it's <laughs> a good one i hope you two are doing well i'm a huge fan of the podcast my fiance ryan is a space lizard for time suck oh thank you uh-huh and he introduced me to scared to death a few months ago i'm a fan of all things spoopy so this podcast is right up my alley here I have a tale of a bizarre occurrence my dad experienced when he was a young man that he has absolutely no explanation for. He's still talking about it 30 years later. It's one of those stories that really makes you question everything. I thought it would be great to share it with you guys. Now, before I begin, I want to paint a little picture for you. It's around November 1991. COVID didn't exist, and my parents, Christina and Lou, are in their early 20s. They were living in a small, old apartment in Somerville, Somerville, Massachusetts. I've absolutely been there. They were just beginning their lives as newlyweds, and this was all before my brothers and I arrived in the world. The apartment building that my parents lived in at the time is actually the same building they live in now. Present day, my parents live on the ground floor of the building. However, this story takes place upstairs in one of the other apartments. My grandmother, Christina's mother, is the landlord of this six-family home, I spent about a decade of my life growing up there alongside my two younger brothers, and let me tell you, there was never a dull moment there. My grandmother seems to only rent out the apartments to crazy folks, and we've even been nicknamed The Trouble House by a lovely neighbor across the street. Other than the wacko, loud tenants, who always seem to cause a scene on the front lawn, we have had our fair share of other tenants. Tenants who Mm. just can't move on, if you know what I mean. The building is pretty old, so we've never really been surprised when things go bump in the night. I suppose it's just expected. My grandfather, who has recently passed, lived in the building since my mother and her younger sister were little girls, and claimed to see, and he claimed to see a shadow boy who liked to follow him around and watch him read. My aunt, my mom's sister, also claimed to see this little shadow boy when she was young and says that the boy would often appear in her bedroom when her dad was reading her bedtime stories. Many people in the building experienced hearing odd, unexplained noises. There was one time that my parents went out on the town and came back to find all the other tenants were upset because they didn't get invited to my parents' party. 
The tenants had claimed there was loud music, people talking, and what sounded like people dancing coming from Christina and Lou's apartment. This was all very confusing to my parents, of course. They thought maybe they had left the TV on or something, but nope. Everything was just the way they had left it, and the door had been locked the whole time. Weird, for sure, but nothing ever seemed to be harmful. Just odd. Now, time for the tale of two moms and one very confused dad. My parents, Christina and Lou, were relaxing on a Friday evening after a long week at work. They had their dinner, cleaned up the dishes, and slumped into the couch to watch mindless TV for a few hours before bed. After a while, Christina leaned down, propping her feet up on top of Lou's thighs, and laid her head on one of the couch throw pillows. Drifting away and listening to the white noise emitting from the TV, she slowly closed her eyes and fell into a deep sleep. Lou stared at the screen just a bit longer before falling asleep himself. What seemed to be just a few moments later, Christina popped up from her slumber and without a word made a beeline for the bathroom. She was stiff and her footsteps were silent. Her motion woke Lou and he watched her as she darted away and turned on the light in the bathroom and shut the door behind her. He thought she seemed off. The TV seemed louder than it had been before, but probably because it was later in the evening and the rooms and other surrounding apartments were quiet. He sat there, waiting for her to come out, and when she seemed to be taking longer than expected, he had the instinctive feeling to check on her, to make sure she was okay. The door to the bathroom was unlocked. He turned the knob and opened the door carefully so as to not accidentally bump into her, only to find the bathroom was empty. The light was on and was too bright for his tired eyes as he squinted, peering around the small room. She was nowhere to be found. Worried, Lou rushed back to the living room to look for her, but she wasn't there. Lou's heart dropped. He swiftly rushed into the bedroom where she was. She was sound asleep, in bed. His heart still aching from the panic, he shook her awake to ask her if she was okay and to find out if she had just been in the bathroom. Christina, being a very light sleeper, awoke and explained that she had been in the bedroom the whole time. She explained that she had left the living room hours ago, after he'd fallen asleep on the couch shortly after they had sat down. He stared at her, confused and speechless. The next day, Lou brought this occurrence to his mother, my Nona. My Nona, who's no longer with us, was a very wise Italian woman. She said, flat out and without hesitation, she's pregnant. And she wasn't wrong. I popped out what? nine months later in early July. Why or how my Nona knew my mother was pregnant is beyond me. Why did my dad's story immediately draw that conclusion? And why did my dad see doubles of my mom that night? This story makes me wonder about doppelgangers and glitches in time. I know the story wasn't the spookiest, but I hope it was fun to read. And I know for me, it certainly validates that there is more than one world and more than to life than we may think. Love, one of your creepers, Aileen. Aileen, thank you. That's so. The conclusion that she jumped to is so weird. Which, I mean, that, I know. Which that would tell me that with in her maybe in her ancestors' village and city or wherever she, neighborhood in Italy or something. Right. Like, is, is that like a thing that maybe. in some places they they associate seeing a double with certain things like pregnant? That's just so bizarre. I'm so curious, like what the lore is behind that. I don't know. I don't know. You know, and. Generally speaking, Italian people, especially if you go back to Italy, are deeply religious. Mm -hmm. So I, I would imagine that for everything that happens, they think there's some 
reason related to God or to life or to death, like warnings. There's or, a fair amount of superstition in Italian culture. Mm-hmm. Have, uh, you, have you ever been to an Italian funeral? I have not. Like a truly, they are intense. I mean, it's like wailing. Like an Italian like, Catholic funeral? The true wailing, the black veils. Oh. The I mean, it is, it is something. Huh. And I think... They take pictures of the dead in the casket. I feel like there's some other element there hmm. of that. Yeah. Very bizarre. And I'm, I shouldn't say it's bizarre. It's very different than what I know. Yeah. 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 But this story, the two stories combined, it, it really, it, more than doppelgangers, I think the glitch in time, the glitch in the universe. And I think of like, like astral projection. I don't know enough about that. Something like, like where you're mean? like, oh, it's supposed to be where you're, you're, spirit can kind of separate like your essence can separate from your physical body yeah and you can travel out in this astral plane and I totally and, believe that and like visit other parts of the world and and things like like that okay. you can yeah you can just separate like when you're sleeping you can separate from yourself where if um and i'm probably butchering this explanation but that's the gist of it sure but i wonder like in this in this story you know uh, you could theorize like did her like she's asleep but some in her dream state Maybe she like, – like what if in her dream state she went, uh, used the bathroom, went to the living room, whatever, mm-hmm. and that you could actually see her, her doing it, her but... doing this like in a dream. Like she's in two places at the same time. Yeah. Her yeah. body is in the bed and then this dream version of her is actually out where other people can see it. Do you think – I mean who knows? I'm just, you know, throwing a bunch of weird shit on the wall. Okay. Well, would you know that you astral projected? People, are you, are you people claim to do it consciously. Because you ever have, okay, and I know most people say this is deja vu. And then vu. people say that it happens unconsciously as well. Right. Okay. I know this is going to sound like deja vu, but there will be times in my life where I will be somewhere mm-hmm. that I am 1000% sure in my cognizant, logical brain, I have right. never been there. But in my gut, I know way too much about where I am. Like it feels altogether too familiar. Why do I know this place? Why do right. I know this thing will be there? Like, it's never freaked me out because yeah. I'm always just like, oh, deja vu. But like, I don't I don't know. Are they connected? Is deja vu just an explanation that's been thrown out there to derail us from astral uh, production? Because someone doesn't want us to find out it's real? <laughs> right. You, I mean, usually I people who are way into it kind of, I'm like, oh, this person seems a little off. But who knows? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I ha- not, Aren't we all just a little bit off? True. We are. Yeah. Especially you. Especially me. Yeah. I know I, I've had, I always I always thought it was like a recurring dream or mm-hmm. something, but it does feel in, intense mm-hmm. where it's like, I know that I'm asleep on one side of the bed, but then some <laughs> other piece of me is, I don't know why, is like masturbating on your side of the bed, like next to the bed and watching you. That was not a Instead, good setup. I saw damn it, it. I mean, You I, heard me I, laughing before I, you even finished. <laughs> I want to say something really skeevy. You are skeevy. You just be <laughs> you. You don't have to try. <laughs> That's uh, nice of me, right? Mm-hmm. I don't actually think you're skeevy, but that's not a nice thing to say. <laughs> uh, crazy stuff. Lots, lots to think about from today's episode. I know. Lots of creepy possibilities. This, this episode is going to be a little bit of a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, just the dead body situation. The actual yeah, and that, and that one is <laughs> that one is documented. Well, yeah, yeah, that one. There's newspaper articles about. And then that creepy incantation. That you mm-hmm. said too many times. Probably too many times. I heard you in the other studio practicing. So I know, now I wanted to try and get it, the pronunciation right. No, I know you. You nailed it. I mean, I took Latin, and I'm telling you, <laughs> from a premier Latin student. So from a trained ear. Yeah, I, I hear it. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like I could say anything in Latin, um, but no, it was really it was, you did a great job. Okay. But I'm just nervous that you said it far too many times. Uh, what if you say it more than six times? 
I have no idea maybe how that, things like, are supposed to work. Maybe that's just like, oh, and, you did it And, too and many I times. thought from the story it was associated like with he needed to say it. I don't know that it matters saying it in general. Well, you don't it know was, where your – listen, we don't know where your dad has been, okay? Oh, my dad – true. My dad might have made a deal. Your dad, well, for sure. Probably for sure, yeah. You know when he was talking about like being in like Papua New Guinea mm-hmm. and he'll talk about like, you know, it's so different there and there's – He's probably not- in a cult. It sounded like he's a cult. probably making deals. People running around barefoot. He does like my dad likes deals. So he likes to try and make deals. Uh-huh. And he's always talking about like that beetle that they're always chewing on and stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, drugs, cults. Yeah, probably is my dad. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there Ugh. you have it. Um, okay. Do you want to? So now, okay, it is March 9th and yeah. we are doing 30 uh, Annabelle shout outs an episode now. Oh, okay. Okay. So this okay. Is, we finally, you know, we talked about bumping it up. Yep. And uh, so you're going to do 15 and I'm going to do 15. Okay. And I took a little poll in Patreon and mm-hmm. it seems like 30 is the good number. Okay. It seems like 40 would be too, too much. much. Okay. It would lose its specialness. Yeah. Although some people said like, turn it off if you don't want to listen to it. But like, That's if you, true. It's at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's your name that you're waiting for. Yeah. You know, so I think we're going to settle into 30 and see where that gets us for a okay. while. Okay. okay, you want me to start off? I do. Uh, I, would, I would like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting us on Patreon. It's Nathan Grajales, Christi- Christiana, uh, Michelle, Ray McFarlane, Allison Vaughn, Nathan Sigilius, Amanda George, Courtney Walker, Stephanie Parker, Jeremy, no last name, Cindy Diaz, Nick Johnson, Shelly Crater, Zhu Nguan, Deidre Benjamin, Amanda Catherine. Awesome. I would like to thank the Annabelles, George Rose, Weston, no last name, Maddie, no last name, Scott Everett, Ron Manis, Dustin Eiler, Jennifer Litwin, Kevin Jennings, Crystal Marie, Arlene Morgan, Christina Grimes, Alan Hansen and Jennifer Greenbelt, Caleb Jordan, Justin Duke, and Kelly Burns. Perfect. And I want to do a, a redo on one name. Okay. It might be Z Nuan or it might be a Yi Nuan. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember the XI. I should have. Now, I, now I'm confused. I thought I, I, thought I, I was thought certain. I thought XI was a sh. Like sh, Yi, Yi Nuan. Like Jin Nuan? Yi Nuan. I, probably, I think so. Yi Nuan. Yeah. So sorry, Nuan. Um, Yi, if we're, if I'm. Uh, butchering butch- it? I'm, I'm, I thought I had it. And then looking at it now, I'm second guessing myself. I was so proud of myself. Several years ago, I was taking these Chinese herbs and it was not translated into English. Oh, so you had to and learn. I like the doctor would say like, oh, you're taking blah, blah, blah. And I worked on it so hard. Uh, and for like the brief period of time, I really felt like, oh, okay, I can at least yeah. kind of sound out some basic words. And then I lost I it. I know it doesn't stay. And it's funny. People talk to me on times like when I'm, because I'm doing topics from all over the world. Yeah. They're like, oh, just reach out. I, I can get it if I practice. But then if you don't stay with it, mm-hmm. you lose it. Right. And it's just, there's just too many. There's too many languages around the world yeah. to stay current on all of them. Yeah. But you do a good job. And I we try. appreciate your efforts. It's no disrespect when I get it wrong. Uh, and that, and that's uh, that's all for today. No, it's not. Oh, that's, I'm sorry. Spoopy shoutouts. So rude. Spoopy shoutouts. And I just have a few this week. Okay. okay. So I apologize. That's okay. Okay. Spoopy shoutouts to Mikey from Katie. Happy birthday. To Mina from their sister, Francesca. She loves you. To Sheena from Sean. Love you. And congrats on your baby girl. She's pregnant. She Aww. hasn't had the baby yet. The family doesn't know the sex. This is it. We've just announced it. We've told the world. It's a girl. <laughs> that's awesome. And Lindsay is a great name. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, that is all for today. Thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of horror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. 
Email us for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith on social media and badmagicmerch.com for the merch design. Store at badmagicproductions.com for customer service with anything merch-related. Thanks to producer Sophie Evans for help with story curation. Joe Paisley for producing and directing today for the great suggestion on the padded room if we, you know, if we end up there. <laughs> Listen, uh, Joe is nothing, if nothing, but a good idea man mm-hmm, for things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, thank you to Zach Cohen for the custom sound beds and to Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to watch the show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content at Scared to Death Podcast. Uh, We're having animated videos here and there coming up now from Thomas Royal, which I'm excited to start putting on there. (laughs) They're super fun. And we have a private Facebook group, Creeps and Peepers, with over 13,000 members for horror lovers. Thank you to Liz Hernandez for moderating. Uh, If you don't want to hear ads, if you want monthly bonus episodes, check out our Patreon and get all that and more. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within scares to death. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 